I have been given the absolute privilege, absolute privilege, of bringing today's message with our pastors here in the room with us. And if you would, I'll ask you to go ahead and turn to Matthew 10, and we'll look at a scripture in just a moment. I'll go ahead and apologize now. What I'm about to tell you has nothing to do with age. I was just in a hurry this morning, but I noticed when I got out of the truck and did a habit that I have to pull my pants up, I forgot my belt. I didn't have my belt on this morning. So if you see me pulling and tugging this morning, you know, some of you have heard my theory before. I really believe you can tell a man's age by the way he wears his pants. You know, you look at a tree... And you can see the rings on that tree, and you can count them, and you can determine how old that tree is. Well, a man, the older he gets, the higher his pants get. And, and, and I've got a feeling by the time I'm 99 years old, my pants are going to be under my armpits, all right? So you just forgive me if I, if I tug a little bit this morning, all right? Of course, I could go, woo, like that, and... It'd be all right. Pastor and Miss Phyllis, it is our blessed privilege uh, to not only serve with you, but to honor you this day. Let me give you a definition, people, of the word honor as a noun. Honor means to highly respect, to esteem. To esteem means to regard highly or favorable regard with respect and admiration. And I can say, and I know I can speak for Sharon and myself, I know that I can speak for the rest of the staff, we absolutely regard the two of you with respect and admiration. Sharon, uh, I know she's probably watching live stream this morning. Uh, I'm glad that we were all able to be here and she is, is here in heart and spirit, uh, she loves our pastors just like the rest of us do. I saw a quote by Craig Groeschel, and it says this, that honor is a gift that you give freely. When you honor someone, it is a gift, and you do not expect anything in return. You give it because you esteem them. You give it because you respect them, and you give it freely. And so... Pastors, we are giving you that honor today with no strings attached, all right? All, only because we love you. If you would, if, if you're already in Matthew chapter 10, I want to read two verses. First of all, I actually want to read the first one from the King James Version. I like that better. And then I'm going to share that same verse with you from the Message Bible. Matthew 10, verses 40 and 41 says, He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. In verse 41, He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And let me share that with you from the Message Bible. We are in, intimately linked in this harvest work. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, Jesus said, the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God 
is as good as being God's messenger. And so, Pastor and Miss Phyllis, we do receive you, accept you, rejoice in the fact that you're in our lives as God's messenger. Week after week, we get to hear you, Pastor, and uh, we know that Miss Phyllis is right there praying for you, had been all through the week, uh, and, and much of, uh, of what, who you are and much of what you bring to us on Sundays is because she is partnering with you in prayer and, and seeking the Lord. We, you, all of us, we need to see and understand our pastors are prophets of God. They can, they have declared God's Word to us as individuals. They can, they have declared God's Word to us as a congregation, bringing comfort and edification, bringing the prophecy of God. But we need to know and understand that every time pastor stands and teaches that he is declaring God's Word, that he is in reality standing even in that position of a prophet. Yes, he is our pastor. Yes, we honor him by calling him pastor. But by declaring the Word of God, having prayed over it and allowed the Holy Spirit to give him an interpretation of that Word and then add not add to it in man's understanding, but add to it according to the Holy Spirit, then he is prophesying. He is standing as a prophet before us, and we need to receive him that way. God's Word says that if you receive a prophet, then you receive a prophet's reward. In other words, you have access to what that person carries in their life. As we receive our pastor, we begin to receive his vision. You don't receive him, you'll not receive the vision of the house. But as you hear him and receive him, then you receive what he carries, his vision and even his anointing. Now, people, I want you to understand, I look to God and God alone is my source, okay? But I know that God has revealed to me in His Word that there are things that I can do to bring even a greater anointing in my life. And one of those things is I can honor that man and woman that He's placed in my life as my authority, as my prophet. And as I do, I walk in that same anointing. Let me tell you something. I don't want to walk in the anointing of Tony. I don't even want to walk in the anointing of any other person. But I will walk and minister in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I know this man and woman right here are anointing of the Holy Spirit. And God tells me that as I honor them, I can walk in that same anointing. Hallelujah. Is it daunting to stand up here and preach in front of the man that preaches every Sunday? Yeah. But please... With all due respect, he didn't call me. But you know what? I can minister with the same anointing. Because as God anoints him and I honor him, and guys, there are no words to express how I truly honor this couple, how Sharon and I honor them in our lives, how God has placed that vision in our heart, in our life, I pray, I believe that it's the same vision 
because I've heard him uh, repeat it over and over. But I believe also that I have a revelation from God because God places the vision, but also that anointing. Hallelujah. We're also making ourselves available when we honor God's prophet. We're making ourselves available to his or her reward system. And the prophet's reward is the fulfillment of that prophetic word. You see, I I truly believe that as God gives pastor a word for every Sunday when he comes up here and he prophesies that, that God is determined that as he is speaking it forth in faith and as he walks it out in faith and obedience, that God is bringing that word to pass in he and Miss Phyllis's life. And then as I honor him and I receive that word and I say yes and amen to that word, then God will also bring that same prophetic word to pass in my life. Hallelujah. Do you understand? That's why I have no problem submitting myself to a man and woman of God and honoring them because in reality I'm submitting myself to the Lord and I'm honoring Him and God will bring blessings through that and use me as He sees fit. Hallelujah. There are two ways to receive a prophet's reward. First of all, do what the prophet does and that's trust and obey. Matter of fact, God looks at that always. Trusting Him and obeying Him. It's just not enough to sit there and say, Amen. Amen. It's not even enough to go, Amen. You've got to receive it into your life. You've got to trust that what is being said is of God. And one way you trust that is by witness of the Holy Spirit. And then that word that you have heard and trust in, you begin to obey in your life. And that's going to bring reward of God in your life. Secondly, to receive a prophet's reward is to receive a prophet as a prophet. Which means... That even though you may not have heard that specific word yet that our pastor and pastors are bringing to us on a Sunday, you still trust and obey the word from the prophet to the point that you act on it by faith. That's what I was saying. An example is that pastor is the one who studies. He's the one who prays and receives that word from God that is to be taught. But then we receive his teaching of that word, and then we go out and we begin to act on it by faith. I can tell you something. I know this man well enough to know that he doesn't just want you to pat him on the back and say, good job. He wants you to live by the Word of God and live by that Word that God has placed in his heart to declare unto you as the prophet of God. Now, one way to really understand the prophet's reward is to begin to explore the meaning of the righteous man's reward. God rewards righteousness. But how do we earn the reward of righteousness? Well, again, any reward from God is given because of trust and obedience. And the Bible says that Abraham was considered righteous because of his faith. A faith that was proven, a faith that was completed by the action of obedience. 
Romans 4 and 3 says, and I'll share it with you, says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed God. He received that word. He acted on that word. Abraham earned the rewards of righteousness by putting faith into action. He learned to trust and obey. And the primary difference between the righteous man's reward and the prophet's reward is the righteous man, listen to me, the righteous man receives a reward according to the established, logos, written word of God, while the prophet receives a reward according to the present, the spoken, the rhema word of God. And I'll be honest with you, I want that righteous man's reward and I want that prophet's reward. I'm going to read the Word of God for myself. I'm going to allow my pastor to teach me. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to establish my life on the established Word, the written Word, and I'm going to establish my life on the spoken Word of God, and I'm going to receive the righteous man and the prophetic reward in my life. Hallelujah. If you want to call me selfish, call me selfish. But I want everything that God has for me. I can do without what man has for me, but I cannot do without what God has for me. I have to have that in my life. I want that in my life. And the prophet's reward is the fulfillment of the prophesied word. And I want you to remember this. This may be something you need to write down. A reward is not a gift. A reward is not a gift. It is the fruit of deliberate obedience. Thank you. I'll repeat it again. (laughs) Pastor Joy, if you want to get a chair and sit right here beside me, I'll let you do that, all right? (laughs) All he's doing is saying, sick him. That's all he's doing when he's down there talking. A reward is not a gift. It is the fruit of deliberate obedience. I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to begin looking at some scripture here. We're actually going to go through verses 7 to 16, but I want to break it down just a little bit. 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning at verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. To who? The prophet. The word of the Lord came to the prophet. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. God gave Elijah a word. Elijah heard God speaking to him. Get up and go to this place. I've directed a widow woman there to take care of you. Now let's pick it up at verse 10. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her, and he asked, asked to bring a little water in a jar so I may have a drink. And as she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. 
Now, you know, there would be a lot of people right there in a similar situation that they would have questioned if they had heard from God correctly. Oh, you mean you only have a little flour and a little oil? Now, God said, I am sending you over here so this widow woman can take care of you. Okay, God, he believed him enough. He gets up and he begins to move forward. Now, when he gets there, she said, I'm sorry. I've only got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I'm going to make the cake and then I'm going to die. Oh, God, I must have misheard you. Years ago, Pastor and Papa riding down the highway. Pastor looks over at this property and says, one day that's going to make a place for a great church. I may not quote it exactly, but that's, that's about what you said. And then God began to deal with he and Miss Phyllis that not only was it going to make a place for a great church, it was going to make a place for the church that they're pastoring. And they're supposed to purchase enough acres so we could build here. But the farmer that had it said, no, if you're going to purchase, you're going to purchase it all. But we don't need it all. I don't care. You're going to purchase it all. Oh, did I hear from God? (laughs) I heard Pastor say one time after we had made the decision and we bought it that if he had made a mistake, he said, all we've got to do in that mistake is just pack up and go to another church. He said he's got to pack up and move out of town if he made a mistake. <laughs> Aren't you glad he didn't have to pack up and move out of town? <laughs> Amen. But you know what? Now, I, I realize we've gone through many years, and I'm sure there may have even been times. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to do that again, all right? I'm not going to look at that clock again. I've got. I've got stuff to say, praise God. <laughs> Amen. He heard God's word. Let, let it suffice. Elijah had faith in the word that he had heard from God, and he acted that way. Our pastors had faith that they heard from God, and you know what? They have acted that way. They act that way, and I'll make you a promise. They'll continue to act that way because they've heard from God. Now let's pick it up at verse 13. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Hallelujah. Receiving is never passively accepting something. Receiving is actively aligning yourself through acts of obedience in faith. And that's what our pastors have done. Elijah realized that if God was going to provide for him through the widow, then God was going to have to provide for the widow. Why do you think God spoke to our pastor and told him to begin to teach on tithe and offerings? Because he knew that if God was going to provide through you and you and you and you and myself, 
that he then God was going to have to provide for us. And the way that God has set it up that he provides for us is for us to be obedient in faith, not passive, but actively obedient to the Word of God and bringing all the tithe into the storehouse so that He can open the windows of heaven, the floodgates, and pour us out a blessing so great we can't receive it all. So see, the prophet of God said, this is where we're to be, and this is the way God's going to provide for it, using you and you and you and you, but He's also going to provide for you so that your flower won't run out so that your oil won't run out and so we will do what God has called us to do. Honor. The way you treat God is the way you treat people. We can never afford to treat holy things common. Because those things you treat as common, there will come a day that you'll begin to despise them. If I step on toes, I'm sorry. Did you hear the sarcasm in that? Okay. That's why God is not the man upstairs. Because the man upstairs is usually crazy Uncle Harry. And he's common. God's not common. i tell you something else. Jesus is not my homeboy. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And my Lord and Savior is coming back one day, and he's coming back as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he's coming back with a sword in his hand. I refuse to treat what is holy common. Carry that analogy on through, and God has anointed our pastors. There is a holy calling. There is a holy anointing on their life. I refuse to treat them as common. Now, I'm not going to set them on a pedestal. Jesus Christ is who I worship. But I'm going to honor them. I will not treat them as common because I'm not going to allow myself to then begin to despise them. For you see, the greatest enemy of honor is familiarity. You know, that's why you don't hear me call Sharon my old lady. You don't hear me call Sharon my ball and chain. First of all, I found out she's only four foot ten, and when she does an uppercut, it gets me right about here, okay? I know, I said something good and I spoiled it by that, didn't I? I know, I know. I, I can hear it. She's watching live stream. I heard it. Willis! I, <laughs> I honor my wife. I esteem my wife. I respect my wife. I never will forget. A, we were in a group. We traveled. I preached. We sang. And even back then, I showed honor, respect, and esteem to my wife. And I had one of the young men, he was married, and he was going into the ministry, and he used to call me henpecked. And I would tell him, I'd say, no, I'm in love with my wife. 
I honor her. Well, henpecked, henpecked, henpecked. It was a little over a year later, he and his wife were gone. His calling in the ministry, he never fulfilled it. I refuse to call those things that God has placed in my life common, and I refuse to allow familiarity to breed contempt. I don't call my pastors George and Phyllis. We met them almost 28 years ago. And when I was his peer, pastoring another church in town, and friends, I called him George. But when God called Sharon and I here to be on staff, he moved from being George to my pastor. I'm honored to call him my pastor. I'm honored to say Miss Phyllis. That's usually what I say is Miss Phyllis as an act of honor and appreciation. But she is a pastor on this staff. You understand that? So it's okay to say Pastor Phyllis. I refuse to allow familiarity to breed contempt. And you know what? I'm older than my pastors. I've been pastoring longer than my pastors. And you know what? The flesh would say, well, you've got more experience and you're older. You're their elder. They ought to honor you. I honor them. And I gladly do it. I gladly do it. He's my pastor. She's my pastor. Nothing travels from heaven to earth outside of honor and authority. And honestly, I, I, I tell you what. I want you to read Romans 3, verses 1 through 7 later. I'm not going to do that today because I, am, I do want to be aware of the time. You need to give honor to our pastors. If you're involved in sports, you should honor your coach. If you're a student, you should honor your teacher. If you're an employee, you should honor your boss. You may even think you're smarter than your boss, and you may be smarter than your boss. But if you ever expect to be over, you better learn how to be under. Because you'll never be over until you can understand how to be under. If you're a married woman, but you don't particularly like your husband, honor him. If you treat him ordinary and common, he won't feel empowered to lead your family. But if you honor him, he will. I want you to go with me to 1 Timothy First Timothy, and I am going to try to quickly bring this to a close. First Timothy chapter 5. The Bible tells us that we are to show honor to those who are spiritually instructing and discipling us. And in First Timothy 5, in verse 17, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. You see, we verbally are showing respect and honor to our pastors. But then that double honor came in when you brought forward a gift, an offering to them. And the Bible says by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that they are worthy that double honor. They're worthy the salary. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you something, and he's never said this to me. Phil, Pastor Phyllis has never said this to me, but I know them. They're not here because of the salary, but the salary blesses them. 
And you know what? We're blessed because we can give that to them. Honor is part of the culture of heaven. Honor in the kingdom has a lot of value. And here's another one of those you can take to heart. Giving honor where it is due has tremendous power. Giving honor where it is due has tremendous power. Now, since most of us have been raised in a dishonoring culture, how can we grow in honor? Well, first of all, people will never honor if they don't first have a revelation of honor. I'm going to just share this scripture with you, too. You don't have to turn there, but Romans 12 in verse 10, and this is from the English Standard Version. It says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. You go out of your way to demonstrate honor to those who receive it. Let me show you how the kingdom of God works with honor. The kingdom is a kingdom of reward. And you can get it in part, reward. And remember, a reward is not a gift. It's because we have acted out of trust and obedience. All right? We can receive that reward in part or in full. Look at Hannah. Hannah desperately wanted a child. And she went to the temple and she was praying. And she had been praying to the point to where no longer were words coming out. Her mouth was just moving. And the rascal Eli and his two rotten sons, Eli saw her and he rebuked her and called her drunk. And you know how she responded to him? No, my Lord. You know, somebody say something to us like that, we're going to walk up and we're going to get in their face and we're going to give them what's wrong. That's what's wrong with the world today. They've given away so many pieces of their mind, they have no mind left. Amen. Woo, tweet that. Woo. <laughs> and because Hannah showed honor... To Eli, she received her prayer. She received her son, Samuel. David, Saul was intent on killing this young man. But David constantly showed honor to Saul. He even refused to touch Saul when he had an opportunity. And because of that honor that he continued to give to Saul, God made David one of the greatest, if not the greatest, king ever. And then here's one that blows my mind. Daniel. Go sometime later today to chapter 6 and read about this. Daniel had been placed in a position of authority along with some other men. They became jealous. They went to the king because they decided we're going to get this guy, Daniel. And they convinced the king out of his own ego that he should set forth a decree that no one should pray to any god or anyone else for 30 days except the king at the expense of being thrown into the lion's den. Good idea. We're going to do that. And he did it. 
Well, sure enough, Daniel goes and opens up his window and prays three times a day like he does to his God. They told on him, and Darius, when he realized what he had done, he tried to fix it, but he couldn't. It was a decree. And so they grabbed Daniel, they throw him into the lion's den, they put a rock over it, he put a seal on it. He couldn't sleep that night because he was worried about his friend Daniel, and he runs there the next morning, and he gets them to open it up, and he hollers out, Oh, Daniel, has your God whom you serve, has He saved you? My words, but you can read the Bible. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Had that rascal thrown me in the lines then, and he comes poking his head in there and says, Tony, you all right, boy? I said, Yeah, oh, great king, come just a little bit closer, and I'll tell you how good I am. And when he reached his head in there, I'd have grabbed him around the scruff of the neck, and I'd thrown him down to the lines, and I said, Have breakfast, boys. See why y'all have to pray for me? (laughs) But you know what Daniel says? Yes, O great king, live forever. He honored him. And you continue to read, and it says that not only did Daniel continue to prosper under Darius, he also prospered under Cyrus, the king of Persia. He prospered. Why? He honored. He honored. Stand up with me, please. I know this couple, and I know their heart. And I'm going to tell you this morning the greatest way that you could honor them today. You know what? Let me back up a moment. I know they appreciate. I I know them. They're going to go home, and they'll read every card. Yep, they'll sit down together and read every card. And they will appreciate it. But you know the greatest way you can honor them? By making sure that you, yes, you receive the word that God gives to us through them, but that you walk it. You become not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. And that you allow the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus Christ every day.